I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Um, I went to a, several years ago, I was a summer missionary. I went to a, a inner city church in Philadelphia, and um, it was a black church, black preacher. And I'm on, I mean, he preached for two hours and engaging the whole time. Now, I could preach for two hours, but I don't know that I would be engaging the whole time, but he was. He would say, every now and then he'd say, let's put a quarter in the parking meter for a few minutes and sit on this point. Like, you know, he was, he was going to bring emphasis to that. And, and I just thought I'd, I'd done run out of quarters by now, but okay. <laughs> you, you apparently, you apparently went to the bank and got yourself a few rolls. So, um, but, um, what made me think of that was the fact that some pastors, they've got organ backup. And I'm thinking if I had organ backup, maybe I could make it two hours, but yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you're playing the way you've been playing today, um, that, that we may, we may have a good long service. Um, Revelation chapter nine, this is a passage of scripture. We're into a, a one of the thick parts of Revelation where there's a lot of judgment and it's, it's tough treading. And I understand that it's tough treading, but, um, and so probably I haven't decided for sure about this, but we may right after Easter put a few weeks of a break from Revelation and give ourselves some time to decompress before getting into it, um, for a few weeks. I've got my eye on a, one or two little things that we can do just to kind of give us that breather, um, but that's coming. I do want to let you know on, we've had a couple of questions and some folks wondering on April the 5th, um, that evening, we're going, that'll be the Sunday before Easter. We're going to get into the rapture. Okay. So we'll be looking at the rapture April 5th. So go ahead and start praying now. <laughs> I've been reading and studying. I'm going to be doing a whole lot more, but, um, go ahead and start praying now for me. Um, you know, Jesus wins. Um, and, and that is probably the most important thing in Revelation is the fact that he reigns and he will reign for all eternity. Tonight, we see him reign through judgment in Revelation chapter 9. We've talked about the first four of the trumpets. And at the end of the fourth trumpet, this was a couple of weeks ago, so let me just refresh your memory. Um, on those four trumpets, um, four of them have been blown, four of the seven have been blown, and there was a lot of destruction. A third of the earth burned up. The green grass, the trees burnt to a crisp. Food became much harder to come by from the first trumpet. The second trumpet, um, what looks like a mountain on fire, gets thrown into the sea and a third of the sea becomes like blood. Fish dying, ships sinking, the devastation on the seas to mirror that what's on the earth. The third trumpet, a star falls from heaven, possibly a meteor. Um, some have said possibly some things, but it hits the water, not the seas, but the river and the springs. And many of those become so bitter they're not drinkable, a third of them in fact. The fourth trumpet is blown. And a third of the sun, third of the moon, third of the stars, 
even on the cosmos as a whole, feeling the judgments of God. And then there is this eagle slash vulture slash angel crying, woe, woe, woe. You think it's bad here? Just wait till the next three trumpets blow. And today we come to the fifth trumpet. The fifth angel, Revelation 9-1, blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Their hair like women's hair. And their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions. And their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. And they have as a king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are to come. Pray with me. Father, as we see more of your judgment tonight, I first want to praise you because I have already seen your wrath poured out on my sin. I saw it back at the cross. I saw your son take upon his shoulders the wretchedness of who I am and what I've done. I've seen your wrath poured out on my sin. And because of that, because of that, I will not face the wrath that is to come. So on a personal note, I want to thank you that you have saved me, a wretched sinner who does not deserve it. Father, I pray for those who have not yet seen your wrath poured out on their sin, who have not trusted your Son for their forgiveness, who have not repented and turned away from their sinful nature and put their faith and trust in you. Father, may we minimize that number in this place. May those in this room bring more and more to the cross to see your judgment on their sin there and not not in this passage in Revelation, not in the judgment that is yet to come. Father, remind us, remind us of what you've done in us and remind us of the urgency that we need to tell others. Use your word in this time. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We come to the fifth trumpet and when the fifth angel blows his trumpet, there's a star. And this star is not like the star we saw in the last chapter. In Revelation chapter 8, verse 10, the third angel blow, blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven. But that's, this isn't the same star. This is a different star. In fact, this star is a personal 
kind of a star. It's a, it's a being. Listen to what he says. I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth. That's a perfect tense verb. That's the tense that it's already happened in the past, but the effects are ongoing. This isn't a star that falls to earth. This is a star that had already fallen to earth. Many people see in this that this is Satan. I, I don't know for sure. I, I can't, I can't describe it. All I know is that this one that has fallen to earth has been given a key. He is one who is given authority. He is not one in authority. He is one given authority. And who is it that gives the authority? Well, it's none other than the one who has all authority. Even in this plague, even in this judgment, in this act of God, it is an act of God. It is God sovereignly reigning. So let's put this in proper perspective. This isn't a, a, a demon or an angel gone rogue that's going against the wishes of God. This is God's plan and purpose being worked out. And we say, well, how bad is it that God is doing all these terrible things? Yes, how bad is it? Don't you know His heart is grieved for the need to exercise judgment? It is not God's will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Part of that means God doesn't want to have to put the punishment on us people, on us human beings. He doesn't want to have to. Just like a good parent doesn't want to punish their child. They don't want to have to punish. But sin has to be punished. So this star, this one who has fallen, is given a key. The, the word here for bottomless pit is abyss. Where have, have we, have we heard about the abyss before? Why, yes, we have. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. I should have bookmarked it. I didn't bookmark it. I should have bookmarked it. But Luke chapter 8, there is this guy. He has a demon. And he is not just one demon, he has many demons. He, in fact, Jesus asks for his name, he says, Legion, for we are many, right? There's something interesting that happens right after this. They begged him, verse 31, they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. In fact, we read about this in another place. Flip on over, we're going to use our Bibles tonight. Look on, look into Jude. The book of Jude is right before Revelation. Look in Jude. It's only one chapter. May only be one page in your Bible, not mine because of all the study notes, but, but Jude, verse 6. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. So what we have in the abyss is this place of temporary confinement awaiting permanent judgment. The abyss is this place where God has sent the angels that have fallen to be locked up, chained up, held until the day of their judgment. It is a prison. Just like a, a person would be imprisoned until their trial. Sometimes we let them out on bail. Sometimes not. But a person being imprisoned awaiting trial for their crimes, for their supposed crimes. The crimes are real, 
but we don't know if they're guilty or not. So we hold them until the trial. That's the idea here. The abyss is a place where certain angels that have disobeyed God, that have turned away from God in rebellion against Him, are being kept. And in this story, in this particular trumpet blow, one angel, one star, one being who who is given the key to the abyss opens the abyss. Now, have you ever heard of Pandora's box? This is, this is the, the old tale that you, there's this box and it holds a great evil. And when you open the box, that evil is unleashed. So you don't want to open Pandora's box, right? That's what the abyss is like. It's this Pandora box of evil. And when you open it, well, look what happens. Verse two, he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit of the abyss, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with smoke from the shaft. So he opens this up, and this black smoke comes out, and it fills the air. You can't see the sun. I could super-spiritualize this. I could allegorize it to mean how... um, God's face is being hidden from the world because he's judging it. I could even spiritualize it in such a way to say that people are not able to see the light of the sun just like they and their sin are blinded from seeing the God who is trying, bidding them to repent of their sin and come back to him. But let's just be real honest here. This is a very physical picture. And I think this is exactly what's happening. He's seeing this smoke because there really is smoke. And it really is blocking the sun. Let's not get too allegorical. Let's just take it for what it means. The smoke comes up and it spreads out. I imagine, I imagine it spreads out over much of the earth. I imagine that, and, and this isn't specifically in the text, but I imagine it would cover eventually the earth. And out of this smoke, verse three, then from the smoke came locusts on the earth. These aren't just any locusts. If you um, if you've ever if you've ever um, learned anything about locusts, one of the things you know is that they hardly ever mess with people. They just want something to eat. They're like teenagers. They're just they just want to eat. That yeah, they can mess with people and they can torment people in a way, but they're more interested in vegetation. They want plants. They want anything green. They're they're going after it. And they subsume everything in their path. What's interesting about these locusts is they're not like that at all. In fact, in a way, they're like scorpions. Verse 3 tells us they're given power like the power of scorpions. Now, what do scorpions do? Sting. Do they kill you? No. There is one type of scorpion in India that has been known to kill people with its venom. But even that's not consistent. Most of the time, scorpions are non-fatal. Verse 4, they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. This is a locust that isn't interested in vegetation. This is a locust, well, they were told not to. That's another picture of authority, isn't it? Somebody is in charge over these locusts. Now, is this the one who opened the abyss? 
I'm not so sure that's right. Unless he's relaying higher orders. I think God has made it in such a way that these creatures cannot harm vegetation. Instead, what they do is they torment people that don't have the mark. Now, who has the mark? Revelation chapter 7. Flip back a couple of pages. Revelation 7. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called out with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So here's what's happened. God has sealed his own, just as he seals us, sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. He seals them. He puts a mark on their foreheads that identifies them as his. These are mine, and he tells those locusts, you don't mess with them. You mess with anybody that doesn't have the mark. These are locusts under authority. Now, have you ever tried to command locusts? you ever tried to command ants? (laughs) it's hard to do. Horses, you can get them in line. Probably probably about near impossible to command the locust. Unless, of course, you're the one with all authority. I keep seeing this pattern, this, this one who's in all authority that's guiding all things. It's almost as if he wants us to learn in Revelation that he's the one in charge. Almost like he wants us to look to him and to trust him. I think that's exactly what he's doing. Even in the midst of his judgment, God is showing himself in authority. Yet, these creatures are not to harm the ones with the seal. They're not to harm the grass. They're not to harm the trees. They're not to harm any vegetation. They're only to harm the ones who are not sealed. And to do so for five months. But not to kill them. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. There's the initial sting, and then there's the swelling and the pain and the burning that continue after that. But there's got to be more to it than this. There's got to be more to it than just a sting. I mean, a scorpion sting hurts, I imagine. I've never had one. Anybody had one? No? I imagine it hurts, but look at verse 6. This is, this tells me it's not just a physical thing. There's a mental, an emotional, a spiritual aspect to this as well. And you can't really separate the two. You can't take the physical world separate from the spiritual world and just say, oh, well, this is just all physical and it has nothing to do with spiritual. Or it's all spiritual and it has nothing to do with physical. Because the two work together. They're bound together. So he says, in those days, people will seek death I will not find it. Talk to any psychologist. You know how bad off you've got to be to want to die? I mean, there's, there's depression. And then there's depression. This judgment is so harsh that people want to die. Everywhere else in human history, just about everywhere else, we find men trying to escape death. Men trying to run away from death until death's icy cold fingers grabs a hold of them and pulls them down into the grave. 
We find men desperate to cling to life, desperate looking for a fountain of youth, looking for something to maintain and hold on to life for everything they can, seeking for a way to extend their lives, seeking for a way to keep life a little bit longer or a little bit better, trying to avoid death. And death always catches up. And now this trumpet, this judgment is so bad that people are desperate for death and death is the one running away. This is what happens when God judges. When God judges you in your sin, you no longer have a reason to live. This is what part of what God was saying when he told Adam, the day that you eat of it, you will die. You see, Adam's purpose was to fulfill God's plan. Adam was put on earth specifically to do what God had commanded of him, to be a king priest over all creation. He was sent to rule over creation and to maintain its sanctuary, a place we called Eden. But when he sinned, when he was ruled by creation instead of ruling over it, he lost his purpose for living. That was part of his death. These that are being judged by God wish to die so that they can finally have relief, not just from the pain of a scorpion's sting, from the pain of being judged by God. He describes the locusts. They're not like anything we've ever seen. They look like horses, but on their heads are crowns of gold. That's Stephanos. That's the victor's crown, not the diadem, not the royal crown. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like a woman's hair, Their teeth like lion's teeth. I think this is one of those times where John just doesn't know how to describe what he's seeing. And so he's doing the best he can. They had breastplates, like breastplates of iron. And the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. I am sure John had seen the Roman army fight. I'm sure he had heard the clangor of battle. And I'm sure the sound that he hears among these creatures is even greater than that of Rome. They have tails like scorpions. And that's how they hurt people. I want you to notice the time period, five months. There's been some speculation on why five months. I'll tell you why five months. Because God is good enough that he limits. Even in his judgment, God is still seeking redemption. Even in his judgment, he is willing to say, not for too long. These creatures, these locusts, have a king. It's the angel of the bottomless pit, the angel of the abyss. The name Abaddon in Hebrew, Greek, is Apollyon. Those are, those both mean the same thing. They both mean destroyer. This is just the first of those three woes. And that eagle, vulture, angel, creature, flew overhead and said, woe, woe, woe. This is just the first of those three. The implication is the two coming are even worse. What I see here in Revelation 9 is a judgment that is so bad and yet could be a lot worse. But even in the midst of this judgment, I see God protecting his people. I see God limiting the suffering. And I see him calling men to repentance still. They're not answering. They're too busy trying to die. They're too busy trying to find some sort of relief from their anguish. I wonder how many folks 
are suffering untold amounts of pain, waiting for relief. The gospel that we have, this gospel that shows us that God is willing to forgive, that God is able to take away the guilt of our sin, to put it upon Christ's shoulders and to put Christ's righteousness upon us. That is news that can break the deepest of depression. Father, please help us to do your will. Help us to take this message. There is a coming wrath. Oh, but there's salvation. There is judgment that is just as sure as the day is long. And yet there is a hope for forgiveness. God, don't let us. Don't let us leave here and go about our merry little way thinking to ourselves, well, at least I'm not going to go through it. God, break our hearts for those that right now, even today, wish that they could die. Break our hearts for the ones who are subject to your wrath. Help us be the beautiful feet that bring good news. Help us be the ones that pierce the darkness with your liberating light. Help us be the ones who show them what repentance and forgiveness really look like. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.